Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley, and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around, and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep, and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. My guest today is Emer McCann. Emer is the head of strategy at Samize, which is a legal tech company in the UK. Emer tells us that she left law school vowing not to practice law. Uh, but after a stint of freelance writing, she came back to the law and worked for quite a few years in immigration and human rights, work that she loved, but her organization lost funding and her family moved. And so at that crossroads, she had to decide what to move into. And she was intrigued by the technology space, the innovation, the creativity, the flexibility. And she has followed that interest into her, you know, new career in legal technology. Two things I wanted to highlight in in this conversation is the idea of innovation within the legal field and how it doesn't always have to mean hard technology. Emer tells us this interesting story of of the first sort of legal tech firm that she worked for that but what they did was that Instead of sending resumes, um, sort of a staffing company, instead of saying, sending resumes, they sent videos and encouraged people to present themselves as full humans <laughs> rather than just statistics on a page. And shocker, that was well received. I think it's really interesting to see people doing genuinely different things in um in the space that tends to be slow to adapt to change. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. And the second idea that we talk about that I think is very important is this idea of there being a different season for different types of work in your life. Ema really enjoyed, you'll hear her say, enjoyed the immigration and human rights work. She enjoyed the environment, the people in that space. But it was quite emotionally draining um, after a while. And it wasn't because it was the wrong thing for her to do for a while, but it was just the time for her to make a change. So it's just a really good reminder that, you know, for people who are sort of spinning in their heads about what, quote unquote, the right next thing to do or the thing that you need to be doing, that that doesn't exist perpetually, right? This is a journey. We're all on a journey. And something may fit for a certain amount of time and then not fit for, you know, at some point in your life. And that is okay. You are allowed to evolve. Your interests are allowed to change. Um, Your priorities are almost certainly going to change. So just a reminder to, to give yourself a little bit of a break on having to come up with the sort of perfect solution to the question of what you should be doing with your life. So one more reminder, uh, this week, the VIP presale for the program is open. It is going to be bumping up in price. If you want to get in on uh, the VIP uh, early bird sale, you can still sign up through the link and I will send you an information or you can just send me a DM. And you know, it's it's really a guided process to help you discover and move towards whatever that next season of your career is. All right, moving on to the conversation with Emer. 
Eber, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's great to be chatting to you, Megan. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. So I start with everyone in the same place, although your your answer may be a little different here, but what took you to law school in the first place? Yeah, I think I think I was probably a bit of an accidental lawyer. Um, I think the career advice that I had at school was very much about, you know, getting a vocation and we were pushed into medicine, law, dentistry, teaching. And yeah. I, I think when you're really young as well, you're not really, well, I know I wasn't really, I couldn't think beyond, you know, the next couple of months, never mind the next couple of years or, or kind of future. And I, my love at school was language and uh, languages and literature. And I, I think as well, there was an assumption that if you were literary, that you would automatically enjoy law because of the the focus I suppose on the on the written word and and the advocacy as well so and in truth um I did law with Hispanic studies which included a year like an Erasmus year at a university in Spain in Salamanca and that may have played a small part because my um my sister had actually done did the same degree and had a fantastic time studying in Spain so uh, yeah, I think that was probably a, a factor as well, if I'm really <laughs> honest about it. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I, I studied abroad in undergrad, and then I also studied abroad in law school. So maybe I should have just taken the hint that <laughs> it was the studying abroad part I was interested in rather yeah. than the law. <laughs> I very much relate to that, um, definitely. <laughs> um, so what sort of, what was your path when you came out of school then? Uh, so it was in, um, I studied at Queen's University in Belfast. So I had um, a couple of years studying in Belfast. Then I had the year in uh, Salamanca in Spain. Mm-hmm. And then the final year back in Belfast. And then after that, I actually decided that law wasn't for me. Um, I just found the study of it very, very dry. Yeah. Uh, and I actually made a pact with the three people that I traveled to Spain with. The, the four of us said, like, let's just make a pact. I mean, I was 21 at the time, but we made a pact that we would never train as lawyers. Uh, so there you go, two of us did, and, and the other two um, took um, very different paths. But um, but yeah, so it just really felt like it wasn't for me. So I ended up actually getting it. I got a job as an um, editorial assistant um, working for a magazine um, mm-hmm. and then worked as an assistant editor for them. And then I did freelance writing for a couple of years after that. Yeah. So I was there, you know, I think there's a sort of a cultural difference at least, and, and maybe a financial difference between sort of how, you know, Europeans and, and, you know, people around the world go to law school versus how Americans go to law school. But I wonder if, was it, did you feel sort of like it was hard to make that pact and walk away from practicing or were you just kind of like, eh, I'm just not that into it. It's early on. I, I, I'm not that invested that I can't walk away. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because, well, I suppose back then, you know, I suppose I'm, I'm, it was 20 odd years ago when I graduated. So for us, we were just in that kind of golden era where we didn't have to pay any fees to go to university, mm-hmm. yeah. which when, when I, re- I look back and realize, gosh, we were just so lucky. Um, whereas now, obviously, the, the students here, it's so much more competitive. Um it's just so much tougher. And obviously in the US, the most students, I understand it, will leave with, with pretty huge debts at the end of it. So to walk away from it would be 
a much bigger decision, I imagine. But yeah, it was more the latter. I kind of thought, well, I've, I've done the degree. Um, and in my mind, I thought, I, you know, I had a great time. <laughs> I really enjoyed yeah. university. I learned a lot. It wasn't really for me, but I'm really glad that I explored it. Um, yeah. So it was kind of, I had that luxury and I, I realized that it was a complete luxury to be able to go and study and um, to leave with a small amount of, of debt that in reality was accumulated through travel rather than the actual fees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like all these people listening being like, oh my God, I am so jealous of her. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It was a different world, but I was actually speaking to somebody in um, Denmark last week and I didn't realize that in Denmark I I know that their tax for example it's 50% I think of income I could be totally wrong but around that anyway it's very high yeah. um but you there are no you can essentially go to university for for years without any any fees still in in Denmark so it's just completely different cultures isn't it yeah yeah it's I mean it's so um much a piece of the puzzle for people here. I mean, also because it's a three-year graduate degree on top of your undergraduate degree here. So it's sort of both the time and this additional, and most people are taking loans out for both the undergrad and the, the law. So it just, it really accumulates here in a way that um, sort of just systemically keeps people, I think, more stuck um, than than other places perhaps. Yeah, yeah, completely. I can completely see that. Yeah. So you kind of, it sounds like you kind of went back to your roots of editing and writing. Was that sort of always something you, you knew that you wanted to do? Yeah, I think probably went from a really early age. I loved to write. Um, you know, I kept um, a journal, I kept a diary, and then I, I started writing poetry and short stories. And I just love so, well, I still do. I just love the written word. Um, mm -hmm. I love the beauty yeah. of, 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 uh, of, um, a novel or, or poem or whatever it might be. And that's never really gone away. Um, yeah. and I remember really clearly at my Spanish lecture saying, you know, don't do law because it will quash your creativity. Don't do it. You know, <laughs> you're spending nearly yeah. pleading with me not to do it. And, uh, um, I'd love to say that things have changed since then, but I, I I'm not really sure that they've changed a lot. But yeah, yeah, so it's something that I'd always really kind of loved. And then um, it was actually a chance encounter with um, our, an old uni friend um, who said, you know, I, I did what's the equivalent. I don't know what the equivalent is in the US, but it's called the legal practice course. So it's more, it's post-grad, very practical um, mm -hmm. that you, you need to basically do before you can go on to get your training contract. But he had just completed his legal practice course. Mm -hmm. um, in England and he said look it's great I think you'd like it why don't you come back to law kind of thing and I, I think I was getting a wee bit disillusioned with the writing and editorial side of things and that in what I was doing I, I think deep down the curiosity was there what if you know right. what if I did qualify would I really enjoy it um, and it was it just hadn't really totally gone away so then I went back um, I did the legal practice course and actually really really enjoyed it because it was very kind of hands-on it felt like it could have been in practice rather than it being very very dry and right. you know we all learn in really different ways and for me being kind of lectured to and being given loads and loads of information to go off and study on my own it yeah. just didn't really I suppose it, it didn't really do it for me so the legal practice course was a different a different world really yeah and what 
what sort of side of the law was that? Did it cover a range of things or was it like you're going to be a, did it, did it qualify you to be a barrister or a solicitor? Yeah. So the one I did was the, the qualification for solicitor uh, lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do like, uh, you have like your core subjects, um, and then you get what are called electives. So you have then the choice whether you kind of, and I think that's when lawyers start to get boxed in, really. It's when you start making those choices, you know, are you going to go down, you know, the more commercial route um, or to choose, I suppose, the other sectors such as, you know, family law, immigration, et cetera. So, um, so that was a one-year course, um, which yeah. I really enjoyed. It was excellent. So what did you do after that? Uh, so I did, I started my training contract in, in London um, and then I qualified, whenever I qualified, I started out in litigation mm-hmm. um, and then I moved over to immigration and human rights work um, and I did immigration and uh, public law essentially for about about seven or eight years. So I worked for a, a law centre actually in, in Belfast. Um, I moved back to Ireland and it was just brilliant. It was just a really fantastic place to work. Um, a very creative hub. Yeah. You know, you had uh, solicitors, barristers who, you know, many of them also sat as judges in the different tribunals, but it was, you kind of just turned up as yourself. So if you wanted to turn up in your jeans, that was fine. If you preferred to wear a suit, that was fine. And I think because the whole ethos right. was very much centered around change, um, campaigning work, strategic cases before the European courts. It was just a really, really interesting place to work. And it just, it suited me particularly well, I think, because it had that real mix of, you know, the the practice of law, but also that a kind of a feeling that we could almost ideate and explore and see what worked and what didn't. And there was a lot of policy work as well. Yeah, um, yeah training I did a lot of training it it was just a brilliant place to work essentially it was kind of like I had found my my legal home (laughs) compared to private practice which I didn't particularly enjoy yeah yeah I mean that's sort of you know I think so many people maybe not everybody but I think there are a lot of people that go to law school with sort of aspirations of doing something in that realm um but at least in the U.S. to often get sort of sidetracked by the more commercial route because it it seems more um, lucrative, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and, and I can see that, especially if you've got a lot of um, if you've got a lot of debt and you've got financial um, commitments. And I always think law is such a funny world in that you know, for example, that one of the friends who qualified at the same time, we had the same um, the same grades, everything was probably earning ten times what I was earning because they chose to go down a corporate route. Whereas I was drawn more to kind of, you know, the the stories and the kind of the bigger picture stuff, um, which is, you know, I was just, I suppose, very idealistic. I was definitely very idealistic um, and and still am to a degree. Um, But, but, you know, it wasn't that there was any, I totally understood why he chose that route. And, um, but we're just all motivated by different things, aren't we? But I don't think that's ever really properly explored when you're, um, when you're at law school or, or during your training. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, even like I, you know, I, 
took a lot of international law courses, human rights courses. I actually, when I studied abroad in London, I worked at some place called Liberty, which was like a human rights organization uh, yeah, in, in yeah. London. Yeah. yeah, so I did sort of a, an internship there for the semester I was I was studying there. But it totally resonated. Like it was like, yeah, people in jeans. It was all, it was sort of like very, I mean, really high level important work they were doing, but, but the atmosphere was very much more laid back. And, you know, it wasn't sort of, you know, suits and ties and very, very serious. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. And do you know what? Now that I work in the world of tech and it's essentially was a tech startup when I joined it. Yeah. It, that's what it feels. It's kind of felt like that where it was all very collaborative and it doesn't feel like people are competing with each other. It was like, we're all in this together. How can I help you? Right. Or, you know, and, and from what you're saying, it sounded quite similar in London. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I, you know, people, when they're thinking about what they want to do, they have this idea of like, you know, sort of the substance of what they're doing, maybe but there's also this element of the environment in which you're doing it, right? What is the culture of the place that you're working? It's so important. <laughs> oh, completely. It changes everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it sounds like you really enjoyed that work. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, but unfortunately, then the political landscape changed a lot in, in the UK and we lost our funding then to do the uh, immigration work at the Law Centre. Um, and then we ended up moving over to Manchester because of my husband's work um, over to Manchester in England. And I mm-hmm. ended up back in private practice and it just, it was just that feeling again, you know, that I just, uh, yeah. you know, the feeling that you're being slightly drained and I, I just, you keep exploring different things in your head. But um, as you say, where you work, the culture of where you work, even if, you know, the, even if the work you're doing is entirely the same in one place compared to the next, it's, it's everything really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, as you were there and feeling drained, <clears throat> did you did you start? What was your thought process there? Were you thinking, okay, well, maybe I need to sort of get in a different field, or was that the point where you started to sort of think more broadly about what your next step would be? Yeah, I think I was very much thinking: is the problem that I need to get out of law, or is the problem that I need to get back into the, I suppose, the not for profit or the NGO sector? Right, um, but. I had, and then I had, I had kind of two kids within that period, and I, I think it's it was quite hard to, <laughs> I didn't know, like get proper clarity in what I wanted to do, so I didn't make any kind of rash decisions. But what I had decided was maybe it is a case that I need to be self-employed. Maybe I'll you know go out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually set up. It was kind of like I set up my own website, etc., and. Um, worked on a kind of consultancy basis for a while but then it was only through doing that that I thought gosh I actually enjoyed building the website far more than oh yeah the, the practice <laughs> of law and also you know it's not really the that kind of freedom that I'm after even though I I, I still I think we all seek out freedom don't we but um it was more that yeah. I thought no I've just really felt like I'd had had enough of it and I know people talk about compassion fatigue etc but I think especially with immigration and it's very it's challenging um very emotional work yeah and yeah I think something slightly shifted within me after I had kids and I, I found the trafficking cases the deportation cases where you know kids were involved that I, I found that I would was just going to bed at night and, and thinking about it an awful lot and I just wasn't sure how much more of that I could 
could could tech. I, I, th- I don't know. Something just kind of changed, and I thought, no, I've actually just had. I didn't feel like I was given it a hundred percent anymore. So that yeah. was when I thought, right, I need to really think a bit more clearly about what I want to do. Um, but obviously, within a very pragmatic pragmatic context, you know, because right. you, you know two kids with the expense of childcare, etc. So all those factors kind of came into play after that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so interesting because I also i th- I see a lot that that people sort of think, oh, there's there's this one perfect answer out there. Like if I could do human rights law or if I could do immigration, I would feel like all set forever. And I think the truth is for a variety of reasons, things might be a good fit for a season and not the right fit for the next season. Um, so I think that's really interesting in terms of, um, yeah, having sort of enjoyed something in one context, but just being ready, f- you know, in this case, because it was sort of an emotionally heavy practice area. But for whatever reason, it's something might work for a while, and then it just doesn't anymore. Yeah, and that's, that's more or less how, I mean, I don't know whether I'm either, maybe I'm just too honest, or whether <laughs> everybody <laughs> else has more, have more kind of seamless um, trajectories. But I kind of feel like that's, that's what life is anyway, isn't it? You know? Yeah. It, certain things fit for a certain time and I, I don't know I'm also a big believer in trusting your instinct when something doesn't feel right there's there's usually a reason for it with you know when you explore a bit more yeah yeah so what was sort of this next chapter you sort of you've alluded to going into tech and liking building your website so it seemed like you know maybe that was the 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 first like inkling of that for you yeah, I think yeah, I think that's it. Actually, <laughs> I never really thought about that, but I suppose it was. Yeah, and then I I um was just starting to read about all this build up and momentum around tech within legal, and I just I always find tech startups really fascinated me because of that. What we we had talked about because of the culture and the fact that they seemed to be digital nomads and they could work from anywhere, and people seemed to just be themselves and and get on with the work and excel at it and I I just thought that sounded so interesting but I also then had wondered what it would be like to uh, to actually to code and I thought well maybe that's important so I I did I just thought I went on a complete exploration of of so many things to be honest yeah I love that Um, so I I did a a coding course um, um in Java and I thought it was brilliant and really interesting but I just thought um yeah that wouldn't it wasn't wasn't really for me but that I it was so useful because from my perspective understanding the amount of time it takes to write a piece of code to get one simple thing to happen was unbelievable for me I just but I also really wanted to understand what you know people kept talking about you know what sits behind and and the back end and all these different terminology and I really wanted to understand that because I thought well if we're you know, we're already in a, we were already in a digital revolution then. It's been a very long one in yeah. many ways, but the acceleration has been rapid. Um, but I wanted to understand that as much for my kids because I thought, well, they're going to probably learn to code and I want to understand a bit of what they'll be learning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it turns out who knows where there may be a more focus on no code and low, low code kind of applications in the future. But I thought it was important anyway. I find that really interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. So I started exploring options about what could I do. And I think, you know, you, you'll know this uh, better than anyone, but you know, when you're in law, how, how do you get, get out of it? 
how do you <laughs> yeah how do you kind of move and because I think you know going back to that career advice years and years ago you know oh, if you do law and you get a law degree it's, it's such a brilliant degree you can do anything I mean that is completely inaccurate <laughs> 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 you, know, you, you can't you you know people will we love to label we love to pigeonhole people it's how we survive it's an evolutionary um hangover it's it's, it's a simple judgment isn't it a snapshot of, of people and their lives and so people decide you're a lawyer not only are you a lawyer you're one of those idealistic <laughs> i'm going to save the world lawyers which was right. you know essentially how people say that to me um so moving out of that was was really interesting. So um so yeah, I looked into loads of things that um creative avenues, um lecturing, training, um and then it was only then when I started to explore the tech route that I thought, hold on a minute, this is actually a pretty great place perhaps for me because it kind yeah. of seemed to sit at the intersection of, of creativity and innovation and the tradition of law. So that was yeah. kind of where I thought, well this could be something to properly explore that I might find really interesting and could actually, you know, find a, a role within it as well. Yeah. I love that. I've told people this, you know, my story of sort of exploring with things. And, and I just, I love hearing that when it, you know, another person's story of just really just kind of throwing some spaghetti at the wall <laughs> to see what, <laughs> to see what sticks, right? Like it's, yeah. there, it isn't necessarily a magic process. It's just giving yourself the time and space to mess around with some stuff and see what you actually like to do, you know? Completely. And I think that that's part of the problem because, you know, there are so many myths about the legal profession and, you know, you've got very shiny programs about law and how glamorous it is and, and, you know, big paychecks and everything, or else you've got people, as you said earlier, who think, Oh, I'd really love that. And then I would be happy. And there is no, you know, as you said, there's no magic formula, is there? It's just kind of, you know, but I suppose it depends on your thinking. And I've always kind of thought, well, we're here on, on this planet and, and we may as well explore as much as we can and you never know something might actually come out of some of these opportunities and, and explorations but it's not easy I think that's the one thing it's not easy to find a different route I think if you're if you've been in law for a while and I'd been um, qualified I'd had 11 years I think it was 11 years um you know qualification within legal so it is quite difficult to then persuade people that you actually have something else to offer yeah I, yeah I think what I did and I don't know if this is helpful to anyone um but I find it really helpful was I actually removed the word legal and law from my cv hmm. um and then reread it and I could have read as a cv from loads of other sectors and that was kind of I think a bit of a it kind of changed my perspective slightly and I thought, well, that's interesting. If I take law and legal out of my career, yeah, what have I really been doing? And and I thought that, I find that really useful. That's interesting because it's not even to like sort of disown the experience you had, but it's just to put it a different lens on it really. By removing that, you realize what you did have was maybe more, uh, generalizable universal than than it seems when you put the label law on it exactly yeah Yeah. and you start to kind of 
deconstruct stuff a bit and start go actually well that skill could be really useful for this or actually that was creative that was innovative that was whatever it was and it was it was a really helpful for me and I found that a really helpful thing to do yeah so then you sort of found yourself at the intersection of your sort of legal experience and this technology world that was intriguing to you yeah um and then I think particularly in the UK back well what, three, four years ago, it was just getting that feeling of all this energy around it. We had, you know, the legal the legal geek conference in London and all these startups um, in London. It just, there's just an awful lot of buzz around it. And so I started yeah. with um, a company called Flex Legal um, and they wanted somebody to set up their northern office in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was essentially um, like an on-demand paralegal um, service so it was matching up law students and graduates into kind of projects for law firms and um, and in-house legal teams but it was really interesting for me because um, I, I've still I suppose always had a bit of a draw to to help people and I think with the um, you know I did a lot of talks at universities I was you know chatting to law students every day and it was even though it was a legal tech company in the sense that you know you used it fantastic technology to match them up it was all done by an app it was brilliant but it was very much about helping law students who really felt like they couldn't get the experience and you know it's that whole thing of well you know you don't have the experience so therefore we can't offer you a training contract etc so it was actually getting their foot in the door yeah um, and also giving a bit of a kind of leveling the playing field a bit because it was all about the we took videos of every single person that we interviewed so it wasn't a cv it was somebody chatting through who they were and nearly everyone that used flex would say that they chose paralegals or or law graduates um that they wouldn't normally have chosen if they'd just seen their cv because some of them i think there's such a, a push isn't there for uh not just law students for for all students and and young people to make themselves stand out that then it blends into a bit of homogeny sometimes because everybody's trying to do the same thing (laughs) whereas whenever they saw the videos their personality comes across and yeah you know I just kept saying but you're you're absolutely brilliant and you come across with all this passion and you know people who thought that they had nothing to add and didn't even put stuff on their cv because they didn't think it was relevant came out in the interview you know that they'd that they used to, <laughs> you know, they used to be, um, one of them was a, a ballerina. There was people who, she had um, spent summer singing on cruise ships. There was all these different things that really yeah. showed who she was and stuff that what I found really inspiring was that partners and heads of legal were going, with it. I really love that they went and did that. I love that they, you know, climbed a, a dormant volcano or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. Um, which they had decided wasn't really that relevant. And as I put you as a person, that's the important bit because there's there's only one of them. So, yeah. So that was, I love that because I could not agree more that it feels like often the legal industry just sort of strips you of all of your individuality and reduces you. Like certainly when you're just coming out of law school, it feels like you're just, you're, you're just your GPA, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, and whatever the rank of the school was that you went to. And, you know, I think that's 
demoralizing, <laughs> to say the least, for a lot of people. But it's interesting because I it required the buy-in from from the firms as well to that system, right? So it, it's always interesting. I'm very interested to hear when when sort of the more entrenched sort of legal industry um, adopt these sort of innovative approaches to different things. Yeah, I think that's what I find was really it was it was quite uplifting, I suppose, um, and it gave me an awful lot of hope for future lawyers because I thought, well, you know, they can see what what we're seeing here, which is you know the personality and the background and the passion, and you don't see any of that from from a CV, do you? As you yeah. said, it's just about grades, and it becomes a bit elitist sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so that, I mean, that just sounds like a very, um, yeah, like not only interesting from sort of the fact that it was your interests brought together, but kind of it had its own mission as well. I think, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. It just, it was a very strong kind of vision. Um, and yeah, it was, um, I think that was it. And that's what I think interests me about legal tech more generally is that every company um, or every segment has a very distinct uh, vision of how they're going to change law and yeah you know I think it needs to be changed and you know from so many angles and being a part of that in many ways is fantastic yeah and so what has your experience in that field been since since then um so then I joined um Samize, which is where I'm I'm working at the moment um mm-hmm. which is a contract review um and creation platform and I actually met Tom who's the founder um whenever he was we were working on a project actually with with Flex and he, he took on some paralegals and he was working then as legal director GC for for a company but he was already kind of on his mission of changing the way that lawyers had to review contracts that it mm-hmm. you know it didn't have to be this really arduous process but also it didn't have to be a really, you know, clunky piece of tech that took ages to train up and implement. And, you know, he was kind of just asking all of those what if questions, you know, what if it was really lightweight? What if it was intuitive? What if it was cost effective? What if it was subscription model? Yeah. Um, and so I just, I suppose he's just so passionate about what he's doing that um, I just, really thought that this is where we have to go it's very much about meeting the lawyers where they are so not trying to go right you you need to change everything that you're doing but actually you already for example use microsoft word so we're going to give you something that integrates and sits on top of microsoft word that will mean that your job is easier and you know if you use outlook or slack or sharepoint whatever it might be yeah. We will come and meet you there. And I just, I love that kind of ethos of helping people, helping lawyers, making their job easier, but making little specific bits of it easier. Because I think that's where sometimes things get a bit lost. You know, it's like, oh, this makes the job of a lawyer easier. You know, that's a really big statement. And you think, well, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The job of a lawyer in every day is different in every firm and every legal team. Um, and I think there was there was just that period, wasn't there, where there was an awful lot of hype around tech, and then I think that's settling, yeah. settling a lot, and people are going, well, actually, oh yeah, I can see a use for that and use for this. In the same way that I think for us, we've been adopting tech 
in our personal lives on an ongoing basis. And we're now at the point of being incredibly discerning about it because there are so many options. Right, but only, right. you know, but only selecting the bits that are really going to be helpful, you know, superfluous stuff for me anyway on my phone. It just doesn't, it's just gone because there's no point in it being there. And we've, we've got enough. I think the kind of cognitive load is, is a, is a heavy one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So I think it's really interesting to see where, um, how and where technology is really changing how, how lawyers right. are working. And f- I would imagine from, from your perspective, it's also, you know, if you, if what you have identified that you enjoy is, is innovation, you know, it's going to be constantly innovating for the reason you just said, which is things yeah. just keep developing so quickly that you can't just create something, put it out there and just maintain it forever. Completely. And I think as well, you know, because it's relatively new as a market, you know, it's we're constantly asking for feedback and changing. And I suppose it appeals as well, you know, from my perspective, the sense of, you know, it's always kind of exploration, always asking questions, always being curious about what we could do better, what we could do next, essentially. Yeah. So what is your exact role then? So my title is head of strategy. So it's, I suppose a lot of it is about looking for opportunities um, mm-hmm. and kind of working out how our, I suppose, the, the development of the product and the new markets that we're looking at and how we align all of those with what the overall kind of vision is. And I, I think it's really, <laughs> I suppose it's very multifaceted because, you know, it's a young company and and I love that as well, that it's not just this is, you know, a tick box of a of a job description yeah. or a job spec. So it just really appeals to me. Um, yeah. Um, but I also do a bit of uh, visiting lecturing um, at the University of Law as well, which means that I'm still kind of in tune at least a little bit in terms of what academia looks like for um, law students at the moment. So it's it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Sort of a little composite uh, career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if if someone were sort of interested in transitioning from law into sort of this legal tech space, are there things that you would tell them are important to sort of, is it, was coding important or was it just kind of a nice to have or, you know, what kind of sides of that industry are really sort of good spots for for a lawyer to transition into yeah that's a really good question i i think you know for example if somebody was really interested in legal tech from a very technical perspective so for example they were interested in becoming a legal engineer or a legal technologist i would say definitely coding would be uh really useful um mm-hmm. i'm not by my own admission a really technical person yeah. you know i think i'm better at seeing the bigger picture but not d- detail driven um and yeah. i can see that so um but so that's why a role i suppose in in strategy um or marketing actually really appeals but i think it just depends on the type of role but i would say do you just do research have a look and see what's happening in the market what kind of companies interest you and and why what is it that really because what I've actually noticed in my exploratory phase before I was kind of yeah. um 
ended up happily and and luckily in in legal tech was understanding what actually motivates you is far harder than than you think and from my perspective it was anyway and the only way that I could truly identify what I really wanted to do was to imagine like properly imagine what would it be like waking up every day and doing that role what would that really look like and how would I feel and it was only when I did that that I I think I really understood what what I was looking for so I think if somebody's thinking of legal tech it's such an interesting time to be doing it and there's so many opportunities out there and there will be far more and so I would say just understand what it is that motivates you why are you interested in the technology side of things are you very technical explore it a bit maybe do a little online course with code academy or whatever it's called uh I think that's what it's called but um and then start just you know connecting with people on whether it's on LinkedIn or other platforms and and following what they're doing and listen to different podcasts following different groups and you'll yeah. really quickly it's a really nice community and I think that because you know because of COVID and and lockdown we we ended up connected to people all over the world um, because it was just as easy to jump on a video call to. Um, Australia for me as it was in the UK and so these groups you know and I mean I kind of follow groups and I'm members of groups in in all different places in Europe with US Australia and you'll start to see trends and patterns and you'll then start to think actually that bit of it really interests me and I think it's only when you do that that then you can kind of whittle down um, what kind of route might really really appeal yeah that makes sense. You know, at the end of the day, it's sort of, um, yeah, just exploring, experimenting, researching. It's, it's not a flip of a switch to know, oh, this is for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which would be great. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine there are different types of environments, right? They're probably the more startup type companies, and they're sort of probably the, the more established, larger companies. And working for those are going to be very different experiences, like same with a big firm and a small firm. Yeah, completely. And you know, yeah, and I suppose like the legal sector itself, you're going to get just a different culture in, in different places and, and different segments and part of it as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And I know talking about talking at a distance where we're between the UK and, and California here. So I know it's getting into the evening for you. I know, it's been great. <laughs> but it's been a real pleasure talking with you and sort of, I think it's, I think it's so interesting to hear about how, how this field is evolving and really sort of the, the type of experience it is to work in it. So thank you for sharing your experience with this. Oh, it's been just so lovely chatting to you, Megan. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>